All right, boys, just listen up for a sec. Can you hear that? Mm-hmm. How does that sound make you feel? Give me, give me some adjectives. It's nice. It's kind of like reassuring. Mm. Steady. That sounds like a very accurate kind of... I really like the sound of that mechanism. It's very precise, isn't it? Yeah. It also makes me feel like I, I should be somewhere that I'm not. Like I'm... <laughs> or something what have I forgotten? Kind of running late. Um, but it does sound very nice. I think all of that is very valid, boys. But let me tell you, this is the sound of a British-designed mechanical timepiece from the talented team at Marlow Watch Company, sponsors of this episode. And with Marlowe, each collection is influenced by a historical story of inspiring human endeavour. Now, I've spent some time at their HQ recently because, well, I'm curious about mechanical timekeeping and also how things work. And I can tell you that there is so much very pleasing attention to detail that goes into each and every watch design. Now, these guys are serious about their watches, and you can tell by looking at some of the watch reviews online. I mean, the words quality and value come up time and again. Visit MarlowWatchCompany.com to see for yourself. Marlow Watch Company, time well spent, which I also like to think could be said for this podcast. It was a beauty task where I was pretty sure we'd chosen the wrong product at the wrong location. We're 15 minutes into this task and I was pretty sure we'd already lost. And the rest of the team were like, yay, we've done it. This is the best, you know. And I'm like, oh my God, dear, dear God, where are we going? Based on the statistics, I'm pretty sure I know the answer to this question. But um, what happened in that task? Did you win or lose? Uh, we, we lost that task. This week, we're talking about something called groupthink, a phenomenon within a group dynamic where one feels uncomfortable to express their own sometimes contrary opinion. They had stronger opinions about whether or not something was going to be good or not, whereas I think I was, I was quite happy with anywhere, to be honest. And so at some point, you sort of go, yeah, whatever, I don't mind, fine, <laughs> I'll just do that. Hello and welcome to Sketchplanations, the podcast. Kick it, pass it, tackle. Go on, son. Out. Bring him down. Dig it. Ace. Get in the hole. Trap it. Hit it. Slice it. What a save. What a catch. What an idiot. And of course, go. All vocabulary incessantly expressed by the sporting enthusiasts amongst us. Whether participating or supporting, it's difficult to imagine that these words, and their equivalents in other languages, aren't used every second of every day on or near a sports pitch of some kind somewhere in the world. And for the non-sporting amongst us, well, most are still relevant in everyday life. At the dinner table? Pass it! At the allotment? Dig it! Even at the cake shop. Slice it. I'm Rob Bell, centre-back with an unpredictable touch. And my trustworthy teammates on this podcast once again, the creator of Sketchplanations and midfield maestro out of all of our leagues, John O'Hay, and our front-runner, who's been known to hit below the belt, it's Tom Pellero. Good evening. <laughs> Good evening. Brilliant intro. Good evening, Rob. <laughs> you know, you, you both play sports and support teams, don't you? Did you find yourself immersed in those experiences ever and occasionally coming out with some of these cliched sporting phrases? I think it's completely impossible not to. 
right? I now watch a lot more sport than I part- participate in, especially with my, my son, my, my son and daughter on the side of the pitch. Yeah. And you, you do want to get quite involved. You do start yelling sort of certain cliches and certain things. It's, it's good fun. You're the, the, you're the reason they had to put that barrier at the side of the <laughs> these days. Is that right? <laughs> well, this is, I mean, it is a real issue, right? I know there's an FA code of conduct for parents supporting their kids. And there are really set rules that become... They, 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 they seem to become more and more specific because of some of the some of the idiots out there who are causing absolute trouble. And I don't mind calling them idiots. I'll call that out <laughs> quite happily. But sometimes it is easy to get carried away, isn't it? It, it can get a bit... I've, hockey is what my, my both my kids uh, really enjoy playing, and it's a little bit more... And civilized. something that you played a lot of I, as well, I, right? I used to play a lot of hockey, and uh, unfortunately, because of a back injury, I stopped being able to play quite a long time ago, and so I live vicariously through their hockey playing. Uh, and I just wish I was on the pitch sometimes, because... Uh, Ten-year-olds, I could, I could really get involved in that game. It was great fun. <laughs> Barrel straight through. Them. Yeah. I wouldn't stand a chance. <laughs> but even, but when when you are playing sport as well, I mean, I I was certainly quite vocal on sports pitches in and amongst a team in yeah. team sports. I was always quite vocal. I think. Well, yeah. Good good captain material. Well. <laughs> Well, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if it is or not. Shouting? I didn't. It wasn't necessarily shouting uh, anything, you know, that constructive or strategic. I don't think that shouting. mattered in a lot of things. I think no, as long as you right. were shouting. Do you remember there was there was a, like a common shout that you would be, be like, <laughs> "Come on, boys, it's quiet." And yeah. Like, okay, we'll say something, anything. <laughs> Doesn't matter. Just noises. That's fine. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. So good captain material if you're, yeah. if you're shouting. Nice keep the keep the shouting up. There's a brilliant Mitchell and Webb sketch that uh, that came to mind. Do you know Mitchell and Webb? Yeah. The guys from Peep Show, they had a sketch show they did on radio first and then it went onto TV. And it starts off like um, a Premier League coverage promotional clip for, for Sky Sports, you know, that kind of thing, about all the games they're going to show this season and all the goals and the rivalries. But it turns into this diatribe about the fact that the football will go on forever and it will never be decided who has won the football. <laughs> it's really good. It's a very good insight, I think, to how a lot of people who aren't necessarily that interested in football or sport generally probably see yeah. the coverage of it the time just being thrown at us and how big and important it is all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that finished? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> didn't they do? Didn't they figure out who's the best last year? Yeah. Didn't Why did they have to cup? keep going? Yeah. <laughs> and people who don't know yeah. much about cricket in terms of the ashes they do, do probably wonder is it ever going to finish like after 21 25 days and it was still a draw it's like what how yeah. <laughs> yeah. it's a bit crazy yeah. it's good though isn't it? it is good <laughs> i'll include a link to that sketch in the uh in the podcast i'll send it to you boys as well it's very good it's very good and i don't think it matters whether you're into sport or not this podcast is for everyone So let's get the ball rolling and give this our best shot. The ball is in your court, listeners. And we'd love it if you subscribed to the series and told your family and friends about it as well. Think of it as a free season ticket. And there are still premium seats available right on the halfway line. Right, let's knock this out of the park. Let's play ball. This week, we're talking about something called groupthink. 
a phenomenon within a group dynamic, born out of a desire to maintain harmony and consensus, where one feels uncomfortable to express their own, sometimes contrary, opinion. And this can result in individuals suppressing their own views and ultimately dispassionately agreeing with the group at large. Now, the sketch for this should be there on your screens right now. It's there on mine. Jono, Tommy, you got it up there? I do. But if you can't see the sketch on your chosen podcast player right now, then you can find the link for it at the top of the podcast description down below. And if you think of anything you'd like to contribute to the conversation as you're listening, then please send us an email to... Hello at sketchplanations.com. It is absolutely brilliant getting your correspondence. And we'll go through a bunch of those from last week at the very end of this podcast. Okay, then. Jono. Now, this sketch lays it out pretty clearly, I think. And and the little thought bubbles that you've popped uh, above the characters in that, I think, cover the range of thoughts that we've all probably had at some point within that group dynamic, be that at work or at home or amongst friends, you know, even even within a sports team, perhaps. But talk us through the sketch and tell us a bit about about your thoughts on groupthink. Yeah, I'll talk through the sketch real quick. Is um, It was actually a request from somebody. It's something I've known about for quite a while, but um, somebody somebody yeah. requested it on the back of, off the back of uh, some other sketches I'd done. Oh, cool. Yeah, and um, I tried a few different ways to explain it. I ended up with this uh, scenario. I guess I was trying to, trying to reflect like a few different aspects of the way groupthink comes about. And so just to just to set the scene of the sketch there's essentially somebody on the left who's at the head of a big sort of boardroom looking table and he's saying so we all agree it's the only way and of course they're making some assumptions there like we all agree this they're sort of saying it as if it's fact and then each of the people at the table there's five of them at the table they're thinking one thing and then they're saying something and so one person's like well maybe it is right and they so they haven't necessarily made up their mind completely but maybe they like the person who's saying it's all it's the only way and so they're like let's do it next person's like well i kind of like the other way but i guess if they're saying that and we all agree uh sure and then somebody else is actually having some questions (laughs) about whether it's 100 percent legal but given that the other people are going with it i guess uh somebody else is like i was thinking about lunch and they're they're kind of done (laughs) with it so they're like fine whatever done He's like, yeah, I'm, I'm done. And then, uh, and then the last person sat there, and they're like, oh well, I suppose everybody else is agreeing. It's just me. Well, then okay. Whereas they might have, if they, if they thought that other people disagreed, they might have, they might have speak, spoken up. And so that's the idea. It's like all these different aspects of group decision making coming up to be the fact that actually people didn't want to like rock the boat there. And and the group has decided on one thing, even if there were different different perspectives within the group. Tommy, where are you with this? Have you ever found yourself succumbing to the groupthink mentality? I've got a number of different experiences uh, from this. And as a kind of innovator and as a leader of teams where I get a lot of group feedback, it's something that I often battle with. In fact, we had a meeting with everyone today uh, and I've, right. we've sort of brought in certain techniques to to kind of try and minimise uh, minimise this and actually allow people to have their kind of personal views within. But we can we can come to that. The, the most pressing example, pertinent example, is from The Apprentice. Like, because we were in these groups, we were in these half groups, and there were a couple mm. of times where I was there thinking, what are we doing? This is like the worst at, like... And the other members of the team like high fiving, going, "Yeah, guys, this is brilliant. We're going to smash this. This is the best task ever. We're going to." And you're like, 
really this is we've just especially there was a beauty task where i was pretty sure we'd chosen the wrong product and the wrong location and i'm like we're 15 minutes into this task and i was pretty sure we'd already lost and the rest of the team were like yeah we've done it this is the bet you know and going around the table yeah we love this product we love this and i'm like Oh my God, dear, dear God, where are we going? Um, Based on the statistics of your uh, apprentice, Tommy, yes. I, I'm pretty sure I know the answer to this question. But yes. um, what happened in that task? Did you win? Uh, we, we lost that task, and that ah, was yeah, obviously yeah. That, that's... the beauty task. And I ran a beauty business at the time, so that was particularly painful and poignant. Especially it was in, <laughs> it was literally we were 15 minutes into this task, and as far as I was concerned, we chose the wrong product and the wrong location. But everyone else was like, or seemingly everyone else was really happy with it, and they're like, oh dear God. <laughs> So, so why, why in that case didn't you speak up, or did you speak up? I, I one of the things I learned during the apprentice is I need to get better at speaking up, um, yeah. and I didn't necessarily. But, but also in some respects, we didn't. It later turned out we actually didn't have a choice. Like the other team were better at getting the other product, and and so I suppose probably other members of our team were like, "Yeah, that we're going to smash this because we kind of almost had no choice." And there's that line okay. between positivity within a group and negativity and like you've got but also it was pretty clear that we were in trouble (laughs) it's also a slightly unusual scenario in a sense in that you are competing with the people on your same team right we'd normally in a group thing situation you're on the same side and you kind of are on the same side but you're also not a hundred percent on the same side right like but there's a risk in like sticking your neck out, which is, I think, part of groupthink, right? Yes, yes. Where and in the Apprentice, the stakes are very high because you'll probably then be identified as a troublemaker, and then you'll get fired for being the troublemaker. Um, but but also, I'm sure in a lot of corporate worlds and and business worlds, you kind of want to go along with the boss, go along with the rest of the peers. Don't want to be again be seen to be the troublemaker because you might lose your job or not get that promotion or or that kind of thing. Which all comes down to the the the, the culture yeah. of that group, right? Yeah, and the like the rules of engagement, whether they're written or not. Exactly, and that's sort of one of the things I try to make clear within our team that I want negative feedback almost more importantly than positive feedback. Often, especially mm. when we're because it, the, one of the things I've learned most importantly is in, in inventing is that you can't invent everything, so you've got to kind of say no to things as fast as possible, almost. To, to channel mm. down your energies into the places where it's going to create the most uh, benefit or uh, um, I'm getting into the kind of details of it. But yeah, uh, group think constantly aware of it. And I've got another couple of examples, which I'm sure Jono and you and both have too. Well, let's, let, let's talk through some of the personal examples. And so you've set the scene for the kind of professional environment there, Tommy. And yes. um, as I said before in the podcast, you know, I, I used to have a proper job and in, in a, in an office and, um, I know I was thinking about this and it's it's a generalization of some of the meetings that I'd get called into. There was a culture of meetings at oh. this company where I worked. It's just meeting after meeting after meeting and these different teams and groups, you know, and and I think I got involved in groupthink from the from the perspective of the guy who's thinking about lunch, right? It's like, oh, yeah. let's just get this done. Just get, <laughs> where on. I was just it, it was kind of apathy for being in that meeting that I was feeling and just like, yeah, whatever. Yeah. I mean, Let's let's just get this done, and and I can get out and do some actual work rather than just sitting in the meeting. Yeah. Um, and that's that that was one where I where I felt that happened quite a lot in in that professional environment for me. It's terrible, isn't it? Because apathy is probably actually the worst 
emotion in the work environment it's horrible to it's horrible to have it when yeah when you want to because I, because i think i think what what um group think sometimes covers or is um a real front for is when that that feeling of that you can't be bothered to upset the apple cart yeah in order to put forward your opinion that's stronger than the will to put forward your opinion right that the desire to just like get this done or to just keep consensus and keep everything civil without having to justify yourself or argue your corner mm. is more a strong is a stronger emotion than what you're feeling towards the issue which which i think says a lot perhaps in certain situations i was I, um was out to dinner with a, a few folks recently and and it was quite clear that both of them had stronger preferences and opinions about where we should go after okay, this the, is good. after the restaurant this is good than i do and so there's a bit of like okay well where should we go well we could go here we could go here but they had stronger opinions about whether or not something was going to be good or not whereas i think i was pretty flat. I, would, I was quite happy with anywhere to be honest and so at some point you sort of go yeah whatever i don't mind fine <laughs> just do that and you know by the time you've been standing around for five or ten minutes you're like okay we should just go somewhere anywhere and i think that's that's a bit like the lunch person isn't it you're like we should just Move just on. go somewhere <laughs> make make uh, and often that's the most important thing to do now is just make a decision and move but be flexible in the fact that you might not have 100 percent made the right decision so be able to slightly drift in another direction later on but not making a decision at the time can be a bad thing as well so it's all quite tricky but apathy i certainly really dislike yeah, it's horrible. It's absolutely horrible. And the the other times is when sometimes I'll feel a bit annoyed at myself having if I haven't spoken up about something that I do feel quite passionately about. Yeah. Just because I don't want to upset that situation. And um sometimes no, sometimes I think probably most frequently that's things around environmental concerns in and amongst a group who don't really care that much. Yeah. And you're just like, "Oh, look, what's what's the point in me standing here and lecturing?" on how I think this should be done because you're not going to change your behaviours. You, you've clearly set out your stance on this. So what what's the point? I'll just, I'll just shut up and, uh, yeah, agree with you or whatever. Yeah, especially if there's been a long process. I mean, the, the sort of decision fatigue. I remember learning that if you're negotiating and you want to get something, should like it's in your interest to keep the negotiation going as oh. long as possible. Because if you've been, if you've both been negotiating for a really long time, there is that feeling that you just want to get it done. So if you put a change in towards the end, somebody might say, oh, "Fine, just give it to them." <laughs> Whereas if you put that in at the beginning, they won't. And so yeah, there's. I think there's a bit like well, disagreeing means you might have to go around all the houses again, and you're like, "I don't really want to go around all the houses again and get everybody." So yeah, we'll do it another day. But then, and Jonathan, so you you were talking about. Um... Uh, being out at dinner the other evening in a in a social setting right so maybe yeah. from a professional i don't know it might have been a professional but that that element of it was was definitely social but and, and amongst friends you know when you're in a group of friends sometimes there is this this group think mentality is just uh, yeah yeah i'll just i'll just go along with this it's absolutely fine or it certainly used to be a lot more of that when i was younger now I've got a bit older, I'm a bit happier <laughs> just to say how I feel about stuff. A bit more, a bit more. 
And the one that always comes back to bite me is when I decided that I didn't want to go to the darts. There's a big group of our mates all going to the darts up at Ali Pali. It's a massive day on the smash, watching darts. And I just, it was a really rowdy environment. And, you know, there are times when I would have enjoyed that. At that time, I wasn't feeling like I would enjoy that. So it's just, oh, guys, I'm I'm, I'm not that keen. I'm I'm not going to come. Um, Whereas the group think part of me in 10 years prior to that probably would have said, yeah, cool. Yeah, great. I'll, I'll buy my ticket and come up and have a day that I don't think I'm really going to enjoy. Yeah. How did it, how did it feel to do that to to it, say that? It felt great, but it still comes back. I still get called stubborn, stubborn Robbie. Because <laughs> you didn't go. You're along. so you're so stubborn. Yeah, look at you. Why don't you just come to the dance? It was great fun. <laughs> yeah, cool. I'm I'm really pleased you had a good day. <laughs> they just missed you, friends. They, just, they wanted you to be there too, friends. <laughs> But I think that's what's great about growing up, right? You start learning more about yourself and what makes you happy and, and what works for you. And you course, yeah. and you that sort of group think you, you learn, A, potentially not to just fight it and be direct about it. And B, that there are other ways that you can kind of get your thoughts across. And C, you, you can do your own thing and that's all right. And you get better at uh, yeah. communicating that. I think sometimes when we're young, we also, if we try to go against the group think, it just doesn't really work. Like we almost have like a temper tantrum kind of thing. But as we get older, we're a bit more mature about how we communicate it as well, I think. I think in the in the professional situation, it's still very much dependent on the culture and what the what the consequences or what your perceived consequences of speaking up might be that, that can really have an effect on on how you act yeah and and Jono I'm sure you you what is it that you do in the team you're, you're brilliant at this sort of stuff and ensuring everyone's listening and listens to rather I try I try but um yeah I, I, I mean there are lots of things you can do in a in a professional context I think there are lots of different variations of like group decision making as well I, I was thinking like a classic one is 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 like worrying that your idea is going to be silly or it's stupid you know and the, and you can mm. you can help address those kind of things with with the like no stupid questions up front that just that yeah. kind, that kind of thing like this is right there are no stupid questions if you're not sure just say it and and then you can help help somebody get an idea out that they wouldn't otherwise i put i put a note in the description of the sketch about psychological safety this um mm. concept from amy edmondson and which is where people feel comfortable and safe to speak up and to disagree with opinion especially against authority or people with like a higher status in the group yeah there's um classic one i've not done a sketch oh, there's so many things to do sketches of i've not done one of um the hippo i don't know if you heard the hippo no what's the hippo uh, the hippo is the highest paid person's opinion ah. which is a quite a common example for group thing which was a little bit like what i was going for in in the in the sketch right so yes well, you know, the boss comes in and says, so clearly we're going to do this. And everybody else is like, mm, uh, OK, <laughs> and they go along with it, but they wouldn't otherwise. And you and you need you need really good psychological safety to speak up against somebody superior to you who's got power over you potentially. And there's, that's really difficult. You do. And I'm looking at a number of examples that I picked out earlier from history where I think the hippo mm. element has has caused things to happen within within groupthink 
I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll go through them quickly here. I mean, there, there yeah. are loads of great examples. So there's the 2003 invasion of Iraq. Um, great going after examples. Great example. Yeah. Um, strong examples. Okay. Yes. Apt. Um, going after weapons of mass destruction and the intelligence agencies wanting to please their superiors. The superiors wanted to oust Saddam, so wanted some excuse to go in so the agencies only really supplied information to confirm that bias confirmation bias and yeah it's all that again there's the the invasion of cuba um uh the bay of pigs in 1961 um that was a bit different plan a plan was drawn up under eisenhower's administration but then jfk came in and without questioning any of the assumptions that that plan was made up um, or thinking about it any further or any further investigation, um, they carried out the plan and it was a huge failure. The introduction of a new Coca-Cola flavour yes. in the mid-80s. Yes. Uh, that was done kind of without going out for public's consensus. It was just amongst the... Um, amongst the 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 board really you know the the senior senior people within coca-cola that thought right we need to do something here to uh, get back our market share because new diet drinks and juices i think were coming into the market i think pepsi was becoming stronger wasn't it so they were like we've got to be more like pepsi rather than yeah probably that as well uh the challenger space shuttle disaster the engineers voiced concerns over the o-ring seal that was uh, later found to have been the failure um uh, and its susceptibility to, to temperatures. And the design group leaders were desperate to keep the project on schedule. So they put their utter faith in, in NASA's safety protocols and, and safety uh, systems at the time, which had led to the O-rings being signed off as being okay. But the engineers were expressing, we don't think they're okay, and we think you need to probably look at your protocols as well, which says these are okay. And it was the low temperatures in the night before the launch that caused the O-ring to fail. And the, well, not what happened. Kodak cameras. Mm. Remember Kodak, the yeah. brand? They were the world leaders in camera technology. And that superiority led to a feeling of invulnerability. And the group think uh, element came in because when digital cameras came in, they thought, no, no, no we're, no, we're all good here. I think We've they were this. also, they developed some of the first digital cameras ironically they did uh, they were yeah. like they and they could have been the leaders of that but yet they really what they were they were is obviously makers of film and silver nitrate and all that sort of stuff so they didn't want to switch and, and world leaders in that yeah. i thought no th- these are these are incredibly lucrative for us we'll we'll stick with this and then a couple of very quick um more cultural ones so lord of the flies um yes 1954 novel by william golding piggy um that exactly Ultimately, mm. led to the murder of Piggy. Um, it was a fictional uh, book rather than an accurate, so it, but it felt very. But it's real. group, it's it's classic yeah, group yeah. thing. And a last one. Uh, do you remember the ice bucket challenge? Yes. Yeah. For ALS, amyotrophic lateral sclerosis. Yes. Also known as motor neuron disease. Yes. Um, so it started off in the US and the ALS Association. Well, it started a thing where you'd get sponsored to do the ice bucket challenge you know you, you get someone to tip a load of yeah. ice all over you and then you nominate other people so it's incredibly profitable or not, well yeah profitable it raised a lot of funds for for als which is great but most people had absolutely no idea why they were doing it by the time social media got on and you know five people nominate another five people nominate another five people yeah people didn't know why they're doing it it's just that okay that's what everyone's doing for social challenge. media i'll stick it up on instagram here we go yeah there you go just some examples 
I mean, these are really, really big, important things. I think I was thinking of like um, even Greta Thunberg doing the school strike. You know, yeah. everyone else is not, you know, you say, I'm going to go strike from school. What? What are you doing? Of course you can't do that. And then she went and did it. And I th- I'm really impressed. Like at the school, our schools, they've been teaching about the concept of being an upstander and like standing oh, up, really? standing up for things and speaking up. And like um, they read a book recently by Stephen Lawrence called Silence is Not an Option. And, ah. you know, those kind of things, they're just really important values. But I think, I mean, what age? I, what, what age? It's primary school. Is- primary school doing that yeah, Goodness me. I know <laughs> I know it's, it's good so I have a lot of I've got a lot of hope for the for the future but like saying saying no and a lot of those things and saying stop is yeah. hard I think I remember I remember hearing about some of the Pixar films I can't remember which one it was but like you know they were like two thirds of the way through and there's something just wasn't feeling right and they they can they stopped where they were basically got rid of that team and started from the beginning again. And I think mm. that must be a really hard decision to do. It must be mm. really annoying as well if you're in the team. But massively hard to just go, right, no, we're not we're not going to do this. You imagine like being your three quarters of the way through the development of new Coke and you're all ready for the launch and then you have to say, yeah. actually, this is, about, this is a bad idea. And so actually I think in, in many ways in business – the way, good ways to avoid groupthink are to reduce the stakes as much as possible and increase confidence and get all those opinions early on when it doesn't matter, when it's easy. Yeah. Because the further you get down the road, you know, like the, the launch date is next Wednesday. It's it's very hard to say, no, we're going to take it all down, put it all back. We're going to do some more tests, you know, cancel the thing. So like, like treating things as experiments as much as possible is like really helps and just you know lowering the stakes as much as you can gathering data early encouraging disagreement but yeah i think i think saying no to 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 big projects at the end is just really hard the first focus group i did for my makeup brush cleaner um which was in the first kind of month or two of of creating it um now bear in mind this is a product that has gone on to be my most successful ever we've sold two million units um but at this focus group, um, they were all like, no, I don't really see the point in it. Like, yeah, uh, well, yeah, maybe if it was a tenner, I might buy it. And this is a focus group of sort of 12 people. I don't think we'd actually pick the right people. There was one in looking back, there was one person who was kind of very much she made a decision and then. It was a real group think example where others were like, yeah, no, I probably agree. I probably don't. And it it reminds me every time when we start talking about doing focus groups, how you've got to be very important on the dynamic of it and how you're taking feedback uh, and that sort of thing. But literally that idea could have been killed in the first couple of months had I listened to that focus group and not and not continued. Yeah. Wow. I, th- I, th- I think I think that particularly with ideas. It, it's so important and i put a link about about like group ideation and things like you know basic stuff like if you have a lot of ideas like which which one do you think we should go ahead with like things like a non anonymous voting make such yes makes such a difference yes. you've done that thing where you're like okay which one we go you've all got some stars or dots or something and you're going to put them on and if you start putting if, you, if everybody goes to put the dots on the <laughs> post-its on the board 
as they think of them. Yes. You're like, okay, well, there's four on that one already. I really like that one, but that's wow. clearly not going to go. So maybe I'll do that one. And it and it totally changes it. Whereas if you go, okay, you would do it. We do it anonymous. You decide your votes, and then you do it. That kind of thing. I think it just makes such a difference. And I think that is what sort of happens in a in a focus group. And so yes. I, I tend to I tend to avoid focus groups. I'd much prefer doing like a. I'd rather do fewer in-depth interviews with fewer people than yeah than, as as individuals as individuals yeah, yeah. <clears throat> but because I, I just think you you know like when you when you have time with somebody you can really get to know them and you can you can make that safe space for them to tell you no and you have to work for that if you say my name's tom and i just invented this thing what do you mm. think of course yeah. they might say oh that's really nice but if and that's huge, Jono. Yeah. I have to make sure that I don't. And when now when we get feedback, we give people paper and they write it down exactly what they think, uh, and then that gets put into the the sort of the envelope or the box, as it were, rather than me going. So what do you think? I've spent two years of my life trying to perfect this, <laughs> and then and then them going, can I buy you a drink? Can I buy you? <laughs> yeah. Oh mm. yeah, it's obviously the best thing ever. Um, so yeah, it's that's funny, isn't it? They're, they're almost doing like group think back at you yeah you've like given them an idea and they don't mm. they don't want to upset you so they're <laughs> yeah. Just sort of like, oh yeah that's good yeah, yeah I, I, I like it it's, it's the group think cycle and so it goes around <laughs> so, so it goes around i i had some um I had some other like other ways of thinking of it's sort of like group think but it's almost like the reverse i was thinking like a lot of group thinkers you want to fit in and it's risky to stick out and so like I don't know, the classic example I have is imagine you're in you're in a lecture theatre and there's 200 people in the lecture theatre and they say, OK, who thinks it's going to be this one and who thinks it's going to be this one? Put your hands up. And, you know, if everybody puts their hands up for one of them and you pay, if you have done that one where you put your hand up and you look around <laughs> to see <laughs> who else, has anybody else got their hand up? And, and then you're yeah. like, mm, nah, mm. <laughs> I don't know because <laughs> it's really it's it, it's it's worrying you're like oh my god am I being really stupid and I think that's yeah. that's the sort of bandwagon effect because you're worried about you're looking silly but I had that like the reverse of that is when when you're with people who are doing something which seems otherwise outlandish it's sort of okay and a classic yeah. example f- for me was as you've got two of them one is in in the US it's quite common to dress up anybody just dress up for Halloween for the whole day not just for a party so you might dress up in a halloween costume and then go get the subway to work and it's fine if you get on the subway and there's a bunch of other idiots <laughs> dressed up in ridiculous things but yeah it's fine it's fun it's great yeah but it's it's very weird if you're the only one dressed up in you know a shark outfit or something <laughs> And everybody else is just in their work clothes. And I remember we, Tom, you and I did this. Yeah. Do you remember doing the Do you remember doing the red dress run? I do, I do. In San Francisco, <laughs> which, is, which is where everybody goes on a five k run around San Francisco and dresses up in a red dress. It's a ridiculous thing to do. And I remember thinking, you're like, you're like, I don't know, it's a bit, it's a bit like a, a mass skinny dip or something. You're like, you're like. Hold it, Get- to, hold it to the last second before you put this dress on and turn up. Yeah. Because so that you have to walk there and you're the only one walking around in a red dress. What's going on? And then you're running and everybody's in a red dress and it's yeah. fine. And there's hundreds <laughs> of you. Yeah, and when it's fine, it's like the Santa, yeah. Santa groups things. But yeah, so that that feeling of like it's uncomfortable and you just want to fit in, but it's really uncomfortable until you're with that group who are doing the same thing. You know. I think it's another example of finding groups of friends who can help you kind of 
break down barriers and do and do things like tough mudders or certain exercises that I wouldn't do half the exercise things I've done if it wasn't for you guys. You know, the tough mudder, the 25 miles run with obstacle courses, which are so fun when you're doing. But if it wasn't for the fact that hundreds of you were doing, you wouldn't you wouldn't go and do it on your own. Right. It'd be lunacy. Mm. Um, but they're really good fun with others. I do so re- are they- oh, go on, go on. John. Well, I do. I do remember actually in that event, that 20, 20 mile <laughs> one. And there was the first the first obstacle was like cold water, muddy water, and it was low down and you had to crawl through it. And just above your head, there was like a barbed wire thing. So you really yeah. had to get in it. And everybody was dry and clean at that point, and it's a nice day. And you just you just dive in, and you're like, "There's no way I would do this." If, <laughs> if it, wasn't, it wasn't, wasn't it? Absolutely no way. It wasn't ridiculous. for the big queue behind me and everyone in front of me doing it. Yeah, yeah. I guess the other benefit that we that we kind of touched on earlier is that you get a decision made. Yeah. Right. Yeah. As opposed to it going round and round again. Yeah. In in the kind of scenario as in as with the sketch, Johnny, where you're in a boardroom and a a course of action has been put forward and it's like, right, so we're doing this, are we guys? We're all agreed. Have you have you guys ever ever seen the film Twelve Angry Men? Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah, and I, I was because it, it came to mind that it looks it looks like that scenario, right? Yeah, it does. Yeah, yeah. and I remember at the beginning of that, so it was somebody who's been tried for murder, right? And yes. So there's twelve people in a room, a jury, and they, and it's the thing that half of them just want to get out of there, and and there's a little bit where he's like, okay, what are we going to do? I guess I'm in charge. So um, somebody says, I think it's customary to have a vote early on, and so they just do a vote and. And it's a public vote, and they all say guilty, 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 except one person. And everybody just like rounds on him. Like, what are you doing? Well, I guess we're here for another hour. What are we going to do about this? Why are you saying no? And you know, there's really that pressure that that person feels, isn't there, to to change his mind and to go along with the group? Yes. And in, and isn't in isn't in Twelve Angry Men isn't that another example of hippo, where the guy with the highest status or people within the highest status of the group kind of take control and try and force that group think on on others within it it could be i remember being at um actually think like if you're doing ideation like try, uh, deliberate ideation like coming up with ideas sessions i remember being at one which was facilitating they gave people nerf guns and they were like who's the who's who's the most important person here or whatever who's the highest status him brilliant and then they shot him with a nerf gun <laughs> i said if you everybody has permission if you hear them that like saying belittling in your ideas or whatever you could shoot him with a gun and the whole way was to like level the level the playing field and and make it you and I, I went to another one it was really good there was a um it was actually an after after dinner sort of thing it was coming up with some ideas and he, and he said that there was a game that somebody liked to play as a warm-up for ideation for leveling yeah. the playing field it was called barnyard barnyard yeah and i forget i forget it was just i think it's a stanford professor whose whose who's name whose game it was and he said all the game is is you pick an animal and you make the noise of that animal as loud as you can <laughs> in the room and it's so it's like such a ridiculous thing but it's something quite leveling about like seeing your boss trying to do a chicken impression or something or like neigh like a donkey before you get into stuff and it just it just makes you realize oh we're just all people here (laughs) you know because we've just done something silly together they're not more important than me there's a level in the status so yeah it's always a good thing if you can 
So let's let's talk about some of the ideas or some of the um, methods that you've proposed in the caption under the sketch, Sean, about mm. how to avoid uh, groupthink. That feels like a nice nice place to bring some of those in because um, I, I was I was quite motivated by by a lot of those when I read them. And that, and that first one, I think, is 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 really good. So generating ideas separately before coming together, which is kind of what you talked about a bit earlier. Yeah, I think, you know, I think that one also comes up because people are so different. You have like extroverts and introverts. You must have been in sessions where like some people just like throw out ideas and they're, they're talking and they're taking up the whole conversation. And somebody else who's super smart is sitting there saying nothing. And maybe they've got like the great idea, but nobody you know they don't have a they don't, first of all they don't have a chance to say anything mm. because everybody else is talking secondly they don't want to they don't want to speak up they don't feel comfortable speaking up and so yeah. like like come yeah i think a, maybe a, have the confidence exactly a standard a standard technique particularly i think it works brilliantly remotely is everybody goes off and does their thinking like 10 15 minutes of ideas and then you bring those back together and then they're just it's like a shared document that you can go through and that that makes a big difference yeah i like that one yeah. Another one you've got in there is hiring diverse teams. So including people with all sorts of different backgrounds, different ways of thinking, different upbringings, different skills, different uh, educations into your team in order to bring all these different ideas and opinions to the group. Yeah, actually, I almost did the sketch as um, a two-sider, which was groupthink on the one side is it's enhanced by similarity. So if you have a, bu- a, yes. a bunch of middle-aged white men that's going to encourage more groupthink than it is if you have a diverse population. So if you, yeah. yeah so on one hand, you've got enhanced by similarity and the other groupthink's reduced by diversity and getting outside perspectives in. What else did you have on there? Um, you've talked about psychological safety. So setting yeah. out those, those rules of engagement for people. And I guess, and I guess trying to kind of trying to level that status amongst everybody. Yeah. Yeah. Um, another, another simple one is making it a normal thing to, and people do that really well. Like, I'm just going to play devil's advocate for a moment. If I was this, I might think that, you know. Um, yeah. And it gives you, a, sort of gives you permission if you if you say that to ask a question which might be counter to the group. If everybody's agreed on this. Let me just play devil's advocate. I'm not saying this is right, but what how about this? And it gives you another perspective. It's a very simple but can be very effective and useful tool, that, isn't it? Yeah. Devil's advocate. You're taking the pressure off of yourself and, and you can maybe even camouflage your own opinions well i think it's not i think that's a good way to think about it because it's not necessarily your opinion and i think that's an actually a lot of ways to to, (laughs) no it's a lot of ways to separate this we often talk about like task conflict task conflict is good but relationship conflict is bad so if if you think you're stupid because of the idea that you're putting forward or people think you're stupid then that's bad but but what you're all you're trying to do is you know, it's assess this idea versus that idea. There's no, there's no effect on you or judgment on you. And so I think de- devil's advocate is like, okay, well, somebody might think this. <laughs> I think that's quite a nice way to do it. Another one that comes up quite a lot is the um, uh, disagree and commit is quite a good one. Some, so you're like, okay, I'm going to raise my doubts. I don't necessarily agree. Fine. But if the group's going to go with this, then I'll commit to it. But at least that's a way that you're going to, people can raise their doubts, even if that's not going to be the end up decision of the group. I think that's a good one. Uh, it's another framework is this concept of a 
pre-postmortem where people in the team are asked to kind of think about, okay, we've launched and it's a year later and unfortunately it really didn't work out. Uh, and if you could please write down all the reasons that you um, think that the project didn't work out and you deliberately ask people right. to be in a kind of negative mindset and then you hope that, and I think John's concept of getting them to do this separately is very important as well, where you then get the honest feedback of things that people are actually concerned about. Um, which they wouldn't necessarily want to voice because they don't wish them to come true. But if you're talking about it's it's already happened, it's already gone wrong, these are the reasons. And then hopefully you can then address them or decide whether actually maybe it's something we shouldn't continue with. That's great. And is this the kind of stuff that you are trying to implement at work then? As you're saying with the meeting today, you're trying to bring some of this in and embed that culture within the people who work with you. Yeah, culture is so important. Firstly, and, you know, a, a culture of openness, a transparency of um, sharing of ideas of like no bad ideas. I also really encourage using um, we always have bits of paper where people write their thoughts on. And I much prefer it when people write in their own words that we then put in the box, because if I then write it down, I know that I'm putting my own personal bias in in terms of what yeah. they say, or I am hearing what I want to hear rather than necessarily hearing what is being said. Um, and me personally, as often the hippo in the room or the founder, you know, owner of half the business, I have to be very careful um, in asking people their opinions and often try to use my other team members to, to find out the true opinion um, yeah, nice. because I am often the hippo. <laughs> yeah. But some of the tools that we've talked about here yeah. do help automatically because the system and because of that process it's the process isn't it because you're following a process within a structure hopefully that that just gets rid of that 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 hippo it i hope, hope so but and i've written down john made some very good ones there which i'm writing down to make sure we for example have more anonymous voting i don't think we have anonymous voting actually currently so that's something we could do for these new ideas that we were talking about today uh, and that would be really helpful just as a, a small thing, you reminded me with the post-it, something I recommend quite a lot if you are doing that sort of exercise where everybody writes something and then you put them up, is to, like, let's say you're using post-its, is to all use the same colour post-its because mm -hmm. what what it does, and ideally you all write with the same pen. People yeah. People don't like me when I suggest this sort of stuff, but you all write with the same pen <laughs> and you try and all write in capitals capitals say. yeah so it's all the same more or less yeah. yes. and then you put them all up together and what you what you do there as opposed to sort of like everybody having a different pen and a different color post it says when you put the things up together it becomes like a shared work product as opposed to individuals ideas and so you're no longer like looking at it and going oh well that that's jim's idea Jim always has rubbish ideas, and we'll put all the and blue I, ones to the and side. And I can't read, and I can't <laughs> no. read Jim's writing anyway. And I can't, yeah, I can't read it. So, like, I, I always try as much as possible. You want to make it a shared work project, and it, this is out if you if you work on team projects at work and make it a group product, and then it's like you, you're not it's, nothing's personal. It's just about the end product together, and little little things like actually, why doesn't everybody use the same color as post its? Actually they help in small yeah. ways yeah. yeah very very good people don't like it though <laughs> all right listen guys any any other business on on group think i would just put it out to plug a few other sketches we won't we I have to talk about you them would now. yeah um a few of them came to mind as i did this so there's one that i mentioned which is the bandwagon effect 
um, so you could go look at, which is very similar to. There's also the I think it's called the bystander effect, which is where yeah. if nobody is helping someone who looks like they're in trouble, you're less likely to help. Which is sort of you know groupthink in a very negative uh, circumstance of it. Um, there's also as it's quite a fun one, I think. I've only found one reference of it. It's from Nassim Taleb. It was called the firehouse effect, which is this idea that, uh, in principle, well, at least as, as he says, firefighters who would sit around in the fire station waiting for a fire and having nothing to do but chat about stuff without a lot of external ideas would come to think all sorts of crazy things, crazy ideas. <laughs> Because they don't have that outside perspective, I think that's quite a good one. And then uh, I, I like how you caveated that at the start. That that's not that's not what you were thinking. <laughs> no. And then there's um, there's also the Abilene paradox, which is uh, I think a really good one to look at. Yeah, it's good. That. Yeah. Um, but anyway, we can. Uh, it's a, it's a, a nice sketch one. as well. Great. Thank you all very much for listening. Please email us your stories of when you've witnessed or been part of a group think to hello at sketchmanations dot com. Um, I'm almost certain that everybody has experienced this at some point in the past. So let us know your stories. We'll be going through the post bag in just a minute from last week. And we'll be back with another episode next week. But for now, go well and stay well. Goodbye. Goodbye. Cheers, everyone. Hello. It's just me again this week. Straight into the post bag we go. And as the one amongst the three of us who I think seems to... Let's let's use the word suffer the most from laughing at friends' misfortunes. I especially have enjoyed reading all of your messages this week about Schadenfreude, about this this infliction, as I think you agreed it was in last week's episode, of inappropriate laughter. And I've been reassured that I am not the only one out there. Thank you very much to everybody. We've had loads of input on this, and I'll read out just a few now. Okay, from Andrew on Instagram... Andrew says, I'm afraid my first instinct is to giggle or laugh at someone tripping over, but I don't mean to be bad. It just happens uncontrollably. Andrew, exactly. I feel your pain. I feel your pain. Retired Mary, again on Instagram, says, I laugh when someone falls, but laugh harder when I fall. Hmm, a little flip reverse it there. Um, She doesn't say, I usually break my nose, in brackets, four times. Um, but tripped on stone pavers two weeks ago and busted my lip. I had a padded mask on, so nothing showed, and it helped to soften the blow. I could still feel I had my front teeth. I'm very pleased to hear this, uh, retired Mary. And so I laughed it off. But when I got home, it looked like I'd been punched in the mouth or had had bad Botox, or both. (laughs) Gosh, I'm, I'm so sorry for laughing, retired Mary. It kind of feels appropriate and inappropriate at the same time. But... Just a little follow-up for those of you, like me, who's very concerned for Mary's well-being. She says she's fine. Uh, there was nothing broken. She just won't be kissing for a while. <laughs> I mean, crikey, Mary. I mean, that sounds awful. You say four times you've fallen over and broken your nose. Wow. I mean, I don't know what to think about that. Um, yeah. Gosh. Uh, but anyway, Mary, here's wishing you a full and swift recovery from that. Uh, and hopefully you'll be kissing again in no time at all. Um, let's have a look. One one final one on schadenfreude and, and, and laughing at people hurting themselves. Um, 
I do appreciate that is an odd thing to be saying out loud and publicly, actually. But uh, but here we are. This is what we're discussing. Halil Dermis, again on Instagram, sent us a message saying, In Game of Thrones, Varys says, Who doesn't like to see their friends fall now and then? <laughs> Good question. Thank you, Halil. I mean, I've never seen Game of Thrones, to be honest, but uh, it sounds like a right laugh. Brilliant. I mean, yeah, loads of messages about schadenfreude and, and laughing at your friends. But uh, finally, off the topic of schadenfreude, we had a lovely email in from Sarah, who says, Firstly, thank you for being my supermarket shop soundtrack this Friday evening. You're very welcome, Sarah. Thank you for listening. Um, and secondly, the listener who suggested a sketch got me thinking about what I call a people path, where a formal footpath is in place but takes you on what feels like a much longer route. Therefore, people create their own path, which is shorter and very often is it's right next to the footpath. I hope that makes sense. Sarah, it does make sense. Yes, I know exactly what you mean. And Sarah goes on to ask, is there a name for this? Is there a sketch? Well, lo and behold, Sarah, yes and yes. And I learned the name for this because of Jono's sketch on it. Um, you call it a people path, Sarah. Other people call it a desire line or a desire path. And you can find Jono's sketch for it up on sketchfornations.com. Uh, he's called it a desire path up there, I think. I, I always tend for some... No, not for some reason. It's very obvious why. I always tend to think of vectors in maths when I think about desire lines. You know, you've got your kind of X and Y axes. Um, and then this diagonal line that goes between the two endpoints, which is instead of going up and then turning 90 degrees and walking across you just go straight diagonally between them that's just how i think about it anyway there you go um guys thank you all again for all your messages please do keep them coming in email to hello at sketchplanations.com did a little tommy there my mind went blank and don't forget you can still pre-order jono's sketchplanations book big ideas little pictures and the best place to do that is at sketchplanations.com forward slash book otherwise thanks again Cheerio. See you next week. All music on this podcast series is sourced from the very talented Frank Cinelli. And you can find loads more tracks at frankcinelli.com.